If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. <laughs> Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. Witness. I'm the kind of gal that most people would refer to as a roller coaster nut. I've ridden them all. The higher and the more twists, turns, and loops, the better. How lucky for me that there is an amusement park just 10 minutes from my house. I have a season pass and go there at least once a week. Sometimes I just pop in, ride one or two roller coasters, and then head home. That was the case on the night in question. I work as internal technical support for an office building. I spend most of my day resetting people's passwords and during downtime I'm surfing the internet. It's an easy job, so I won't complain, but sitting at a desk for eight hours straight often has me feeling like a caged animal by the end of the day. But that's nothing a quick spin on a roller coaster won't cure. As I headed for the amusement park on my way home from work, tiny splinters of rain started pelting my windshield. It was slightly heavier than a mist. Now, for most people heading to an amusement park to ride a roller coaster, the appearance of rain would be a major bummer. But for me, it did nothing more than bring a smile to my face. I don't mind a little rain, but most people do, and rain sends the majority of amusement park attendees scurrying for shelter like cockroaches when a light is turned on. Hell, a lot of people will leave the park altogether. I call it weeding out the wimps. With all those wimps out of the way, there is usually no line waiting to get on the roller coasters. Or if there is, the wait is no more than two or three minutes. As I arrived, hordes of people were spilling out of the amusement park into the parking lot and hurrying to their vehicles. Pathetic wimps. I had a frolic to my step as I flashed my season pass and made my way toward a thrill ride. There were three prominent roller coasters at this park. The Centipede, which was a twisty roller coaster chock full of loops. Another option was the Megaforce, which was a stand-up roller coaster, and then there was my personal favorite, the Screaming Banshee. This was just a good old-fashioned towering roller coaster with a massive drop. That was where I was headed and my calculations proved correct. There was absolutely no line at all. I walked right on. Not only that, there was nobody else there. I had the entire roller coaster to myself. This was a first. I got in the front seat and leaned back in a relaxed position as the track's chains clanked and knocked, vibrating the coaster as it pushed it toward the top of the mammoth hill. This was the part of the ride where the majority of people were the most nervous. The long, slow trip to the top of the hill that leaves them plenty of time to think about the stomach-churning drop that was in their immediate future. There was no turning back. 
They were locked in and had to accept their fate. Me, on the other hand, I enjoyed the view that the Screaming Banshee's enormous hill provided. It was the tallest roller coaster in the park and you could see things from the top that you couldn't see elsewhere. The surrounding landscape was breathtaking from the top of the Screaming Banshee, but I liked to look down onto the park like a bird floating overhead. I'd watch the ant-like people from above and follow them with my eyes, knowing that they have no idea that they are being watched. On this day, there weren't many people to watch since most people were wimps who ran away, but there were a few brave souls still out and about. Most were waiting out the rain under the shelter of various buildings' overhangs. A few were strolling through the park without a care as if it was a bright and sunny day, and some, like me, were racing through the turnstiles as they rushed to jump on a ride. As I scanned over the entire park from my miraculous position, I noticed a suspicious-looking man standing by the corner of a restroom. He was dressed in black and seemed to have a dark mask on, perhaps a ski mask? He was crouched down, clearly attempting to not be seen. Within a few seconds, an attractive woman stepped out of the restroom. She was alone. There was nobody else around except for the man in black, and he pounced. He rushed the woman from behind and put his hand over her mouth. He was very rough with her and shook her around like a rag doll. I could see her doubling over in pain as the man delivered several blows to her midsection. He then pinned her against the wall and withdrew a knife from his jacket. As the screaming banshee roller coaster reached the top of the mountainous hill, I saw the man raise the knife high into the air. He brought it down with fury into the woman's chest just before the screaming banshee plunged me down the steep hill. Blades of rain were stinging my arms as the roller coaster raced down the tracks. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, not from the effect of the ride, but rather from the disturbing image I had just witnessed that was now etched in my mind. When the ride ended, the attendants initially thought the tears streaming down my face were due to the fear of the ride, but realized the truth when I hysterically told them what I witnessed. The attendants called security and I explained everything. I led them to the restroom that I saw the attack take place, but there was no dead woman, no man in black, no blood, no sign of any foul play whatsoever. They asked me again and again if I was sure this is where the assault took place and I told them I was positive because I was. I knew this amusement park like the back of my hand. This was where it happened. I showed them right where he was standing and the exact spot he pinned her against the wall. But there was no evidence to corroborate my story. The security guards and police took down everything I told them and said they'd continue to look into it, but it reached a point where I could tell they thought I was at best mistaken, or at worst making the whole thing up. After they all dispersed, I stood there alone looking at the exact spot that he stabbed her, and I wondered if he was still nearby. Perhaps he was watching me. That thought sent shivers down my spine.
Maybe he wouldn't be keen on letting the only witness live to tell her tale. And he had already proved that he could get away with murder. If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like the Maniac and the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much. Dead on arrival. It was the late 1950s. I lived in a small podunk town and was five years into my marriage with my wife, Jane. What a mistake. She was a first-class bitch. Of course, I had no idea of that when I married her. I guess that's what I get for marrying someone two weeks after meeting them. I did some dumb things when I was young, but that decision took the cake. It was about a month into the marriage when the annoyances began. She would get upset at the smallest things. Half the time I had no idea what it was, I could just see that she was stewing. I'd ask her what was wrong, and she'd speak shortly, saying nothing, in a way that clearly meant something. It would take a few days later to finally get her to confess what the problem was, and it was usually on the level of me not recognizing that she got a haircut. Before I got married, I used to go out with the guys every Tuesday night and go bowling. I was a damn good bowler. I was the only guy in the history of our bowling alley to score a perfect game. They even had a picture of me up on the wall. Once I got married, Jane made me stop bowling. She said she didn't want me hanging out with my Neanderthal friends anymore. She wanted me to spend Tuesday evenings with her. But hell, I spent every evening with her. I needed a night out once in a while. I tried to explain that to her, but she'd turn it around and lay a guilt trip on me as if I were neglecting her. Jane was also the worst backseat driver in the history of the world. She would constantly voice her concern over every little thing as if I didn't have eyes and couldn't see such things for myself. Eventually, I'd get frustrated and raise my voice to her, which would send her over the deep end and we'd wind up fighting for the next week. I have a whole new wardrobe since I married. Not of my choosing. I was always a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. But over the years, the shirts and ties Jane bought me dominated my closet. She'd even pick out my clothes for each day. She could easily spend an entire day shopping. 
She'd try on every dress in the store, and she'd insist that I go with her. She knew I hated that, but she didn't care. She'd get mad and pout if I put up a fuss. And our sex life? Or should I say, what sex life? It was fine during the first year of marriage, but practically non-existent after that. After a few years, we'd constantly argue. It was practically every single day. Sure, sometimes I was at fault, but she was to blame at least half of the time as well. But would she ever admit that she was wrong? Never. She had to try to win every argument. This of course meant she would never offer an apology. The list of irritations went on and on. My opinions meant nothing to her. She was constantly finding fault with me. She didn't like the way I combed my hair. My tie was crooked. I chewed with my mouth open. I snored. I breathed too heavy. It never ended. It got to the point where I dreaded coming home. I started working tons of overtime at work just so I could stay away from her a little longer. I learned to live with it all. That was a mistake, because learning to live with things you don't like isn't living at all. After one of our fights, I was so infuriated with her that I told her I was going to leave her. Jane's response was, I dare you. When I laid down in bed that night, her words echoed through my mind. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. The next day, I decided I would take her up on that dare. When she went out to pick up a pack of cigarettes, I quietly skipped town. I moved away and started a new life. Six months later, I started feeling guilty. I shouldn't have snuck out like I did. I should have told her I was leaving. It would have been more therapeutic for me and would have ended things on a more definitive note. Even though I was enjoying my fresh new life, it always felt like there was a remnant of the past hanging over my head. I felt like it was my duty to see her face to face and let her know it was over. Hell, even though it seemed like she hated me, she might have been worried. So I decided to go back to that small podunk town and end things with her the correct way. I guess I needed some proper closure. The little podunk town looked the same. It appeared to have moved on just fine without me as I did without it. I wasn't sure what I was going to say to Jane when I stood face to face with her. I thought I'd just wing it, but I felt like I needed a good stiff drink before I made my way to the house. I stopped at the old bowling alley. When I stepped through the doors, I was met by the stench of stale cigars, bowling shoe deodorizer spray, and B.O. I felt like I was home again. I sat down at the bar. I could see the bartender was busy taking someone else's order, which was just fine with me. I wasn't in a rush. As I waited, I started gazing about the joint and my eyes stopped on my picture framed in the center of the wall. I looked good in the picture. My shirt was tucked in tight, which made me look thinner than I actually was. I was holding my bowling ball up in the air and expressed a genuine smile. I was happy that day. 
Above the picture was my name, followed by the words, Perfect Game. Then I noticed something odd underneath my photo. R.I.P. R.I.P.? As in Rust in Peace? What the hell? I left the bowling alley and went on a private investigating mission. I stopped in the local library and used their microfilm machine to look through the newspapers from the town shortly after I left. It took me less than an hour to find my obituary. I was a loving husband who passed away silently in his sleep. Cause of death was due to bleeding ulcers. That was a nice touch. Anyone who knew me and how miserable I was in that marriage would believe that. She even had a funeral for me. I don't know how she managed to pull that one off, but she did. And judging from the photos in the paper, it was a nice turnout. I have to say I was quite furious. How proud could somebody be? She actually made everyone believe that I died, rather than admit that I was so fed up that I left her. Then it dawned on me. I could murder Jane and nobody would suspect it was me. After all, I was a dead man. That was her mistake. By going through the lengths that she did to hide the fact that I left her, to hide the fact that she lost, she inadvertently left me a get-out-of-jail-free card. I stealthily approached the house and made sure nobody spotted me as I entered the front door. I could see her moving about in the kitchen. I walked through the living room and stopped at the kitchen's entrance. Jane had her back to me as she did the dishes. Perfect. I withdrew a knife from the knife block on the counter and silently crept up behind her. I waited patiently until she finished the dishes and turned around, and then I sunk the knife deep into her abdomen. The knife went all the way through her body and out her back. So did my hand and arm. And then she stepped forward. She walked right through me and out of the kitchen. That's when I realized I really was dead. The bleeding ulcers angle wasn't just a nice touch. It was reality. Turns out, my trip back to that small, podunk town did bring some proper closure. Just not how I expected. you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for our newsletter and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. Ha <laughs> ha
If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. Support.